your goal setting is not necessarily we want to exit in three years or we want to be worth, you know, a billion dollars. That is a business decision. A brand-based values-led decision is taking into account what you believe and what you want to achieve. That's not just strictly financial, but it incorporates much more of that people and planet perspective. Hi, and welcome to Greater Than. Here you'll listen to conversations with business leaders on how they build remarkable businesses, putting values to work for their organization and their customers. I'm Lauren Sinreich, a systems thinker and design strategist, principal of Whole Innovation and Design, and host of this podcast. I'm here with Lisa Gralnick. She's the founder and principal of LVG & Co., a values-led brand strategy company. Thank you for joining me, Lisa. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Would you take a minute just to tell us a bit about yourself and uh, your the work you do? Absolutely. So LVG and Co. was founded in 2017, really coming off the back of my own experience of 20 plus years as an entrepreneur within big organizations from Adidas and Chobani to Moo.com and others. Uh, really looking at how do businesses grow, and that's what I've always done, gone into roles that don't exist and figured out you're at point A, B, or C, you want to get to X, Y, or Z. The name of the game in business is growth, so inevitably there's some kind of large, very steep you know, growth trajectory. And then you know, how do you set a strategy that's going to get you that growth, uh, and, and then how do you operationalize that? And when I left uh, my last role as the vice president of innovation and growth at Chobani, I, I, you know, thought to myself that operationalizing is really challenging sometimes, and the strategy is really interesting. And let's hang a shingle and see if I can't do this for the kinds of brands that you know are values led. Um, and that's what I've been doing, working with lots of big companies from. You know, the Ikeas and Walmarts of the world, all the way to the really little guys and startups and everyone in between, uh, including nonprofits, really helping figure out what is growth when you're a values-led company or when you're aspired to be values-led. It's evident that you've been working in this space for quite a while now, but it's particularly well-timed today because we're seeing a lot more come up in mainstream conversation about consumers driven by making decisions around their values uh, and expecting more out of brands from that. So I'd love to hear more from you about your experience, what it means to you and, and to the clients you've worked with to be values-led. It, 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 as you say, it's, it's very hot topic right now, uh, which is also great from a world perspective, but there's a, there's a risk always when something becomes commoditized. And I think authenticity is a word that I've always liked. I wrote my thesis on it 24 years ago. Um, and, and yet it's a word that has become commoditized and there's a risk of dilution when that happens. And I, and I am concerned that values are that right now. You know, I think at the end of the day, values are really about ethics and morals. I mean, I, I just wrote a piece for the Consumer Goods Forum, which is an amazing organization out of Europe with the world's largest retailers and consumer goods. And it's about the value of values. And it's really, let's start from the point of what are values. And I think the way I ultimately think about them, there are hard definitions of what values are, but the way that values get described are really about something very personal to you individually, to you as an organization, to you as a system that are about, you know, what do we believe? They're, they're beliefs. And when you put those beliefs down into, let's call them, you know, a few short words or phrases, 
they really become the guiding principles for where you're going. So if we are starting at A, B, or C, and you want to get to destination X, Y, or Z, you need something to help kind of steer the ship. So I refer to them as like the GPS coordinates or the compass, you know, for your, for your ship. And, and I say like the bigger the ship, you know, the more important it is to make sure that your GPS coordinates are right. You know, you're not steering by the North Star in the sky anymore. You need to make sure you're spot on. And that's really, for me, like the, the role that values play is those guardrails and those guiding principles. I think that illustrates a really good point about the larger you are, the more you need to be explicit about the values so that people can be moving towards that same North Star and those same goals. And that that it's more explicit that you can easily create that connection with with customers. You know, I think at this time right now with the with COVID-19, a lot of people have been struggling with knowing how to continue with business in a time where traditional marketing and selling has been a little bit un- uncomfortable. And there's a lot of conversation that I'm seeing is uh, come back to your values. You know, where where do you add value and come back to that? And, and that's really how you should be showing up in the market right now. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, and coming back to your question, what are values, you know, values we think of sometimes in the worlds that you and I run in and our perspectives that it's all about social impact or sustainability that it doesn't have to be right values are ultimately whatever you believe you know they are in fact you know a, a, an ethos and a morality to some degree you know if you go into that philosophical definition but they really could also be about like start from why do you exist in the world it's like why do you exist but like what do you believe in And the what do you believe in is really how you get to your values. And those shouldn't really waver. Like they're pretty consistent. So if you think about how communications are happening in this time of COVID, going back to your values is is what you should have always been doing. But it really, if you have values, it should be obvious to what you go back to right now, which is, you know, it's not about just customer acquisition. It's about speaking, you know, what you believe and finding the intersectionality with your audience on what they believe you know that's how that brand synergy happens and 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 how your message resonates and and you know going back to your values is really the most important thing always but i would agree especially right on that topic i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on uh the role of values a little bit more in depth for brand in today's market and you know i think we're kind of at this point where there's uh, the the today's market that we we were used to or in the midst of right before the pandemic came, and then today's market that is developing. So whatever thoughts you have on what we were seeing up until this point, and what you think we might expect moving forward about how brands can respond to customer needs and develop that relationship further with customers in that way. So I think that there's a lot of question of what the world will look like post-COVID. And a lot of that question of the what has to do with the when. And until there's a lot more science, I don't think, and a lot more cooperation from across systems, I'm not totally sure that the when is evident. And that will obviously have a great impact on what we're opening back up to. However, in the grand scheme, where we were was growth, 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 right? The last 10 years since the Great Recession have been massively expansive in terms of economic growth and development around the world, but especially, you know, in in the Western world, in terms of technological advancements, in terms of capital investments, in terms of all sorts of, you know, leaps and bounds kinds of exponentialization uh, in business. And I think, you know, it's been a little bit of the go-go 80s where, you know, you say like, well, what, what happens and, and, and values in that space kind of get bifurcated. 
people don't need to have these guiding principles in the same way. They don't feel that they do because they're moving so quickly or there's just so much opportunity. And I feel very strongly that in the venture world, as well as private equity world, frankly, when there is big money being invested and big money to be made, people don't necessarily uh, take stock of, you know, what's the moral implication of a decision for growth or what is the you know, what is what does that growth trajectory look like? And you see that in the D2C brands, especially in my opinion, where it's like, you know, you, you spin up a great brand story and then, you know, when it kind of starts falling apart, you find out actually there was an abusive and toxic culture and leadership was, you know, fried and there were all these different things happening. I mean, we've, we've, we, I don't want to call out specific names, but especially in the D2C world over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of that come to light. On the other hand, what, something that's very, very interesting in the future space, you know, is where we were starting to track, which is people are becoming more and more aware of things like climate change and environmental sustainability. And the fact that we're our capitalist model is overly burdensome on the planet, but also has major social impact and and the inequality of wealth distribution. So all of a sudden, there's been a lot more pressure um, put on businesses by consumers and by employee advocacy, as well as obviously by governing bodies who are starting to build tools who can suddenly start saying, hey, business needs to be more than just about shareholder value. It needs to be about broader stakeholder value, which means that you need to be able to, you know, think about people and planet as well as profit. And I've been really excited. You know, that's been something I've been saying for 20 plus years, that that is the only sustainable path forward. And I'm really excited that that's where the world is now, because I think we're all aware COVID has just amplified that awareness, I believe, for most people, not for all people, you know, but for many, many people, this slowdown is saying like, this isn't sustainable, is it? Um, and obviously, a lot of businesses aren't going to make it out of this, sadly. Sadly, a lot of those are going to be good businesses that were small. But generally speaking, we're moving in the direction of that path, which is people, planet, profit, that quintessential triple bottom line. And I think values help guide what are the decisions you're going to make that are not just about revenue growth, profitable profitability, not just about, you know, dividends for, for shareholders, but are also really about like, what do we believe in? Like going back to that definition, what do we believe in truly? You know, not about just getting rich or delivering value to the, our investors. What do we believe in and why do we exist? And going back to those basics, hopefully will help businesses really run more successfully, more efficiently, um, and as consumers and as employees and as citizens of this shared planet, we really all benefit from that. Yeah, I think, of course, there's no absolutes in, in this story, but also that was a good illustration of some of the points we're pulling together here of talking about how coming back to your values helps you to continue to be connected and relevant to your customers. Whereas, for example, you're saying the DTC brands um, have really been hurting from this because they're responding to lifestyle specific offerings, whereas uh brands that have focused on values specifically are more likely to weather uh, something like this because the value they're providing to people in everyday life really doesn't change very easily. So you're seeing a number of companies on the market weathering this better than other companies because they continue to be at the core of what customers need and want in their lives. Especially in the D2C. And I think, you know, some of these other industries, I mean, just using, you know, hospitality as an example, 
people aren't traveling, right? And we don't know when they're going to be able to again. It doesn't mean that some of those, you know, hospitality brands weren't already very much values led. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, the the way that then your brands manifest, you know, and your values manifest is really about, well, what can you be doing in this time? Obviously, we all need to survive. That's number one. But what are you doing that, you know, kind of abides by those values in this time? Is it that you're taking care of your employees differently? Is it that you're, you know, taking care of, you know, other staff? Is it that you're feeding local you know, health workers, is it, what are you doing that kind of sits by those values when you're not able to, you know, really lean in on your, your normal business operations? And I think that that's the interesting thing about values is that they really help, you know, I, I often describe like, you know, surfing is the analogy for how you manage and navigate change, you know, and you, you really have to kind of be flexible and you need to be adaptable. And that's just a, a, a way of doing business today. But if you're really in a values-led space, you know, regardless of what waves come or storms come, you're able to, to manage. And that's, again, going back to their role as GPS coordinates. You're like setting, a, setting sail on a certain destination and a storm comes, big waves come, you're able to ride it out and stay on course. And, and you know, that's, that's the hope and the aim. That's a really good segue to, to bring me in some of the offerings you provided in an article you recently wrote on Medium and posted called The Gap Between. And in it, you offer some actions or considerations to navigate the path from where, where you are to where you want to go. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure, happily. So I think, you know, um, the overview of this episode, so I wrote this article on Medium uh, called The Gap Between. And it really looked at like, you know, that's where we are right now between where we are or where we were and where we're going. And, you know, the argument I made is, you know, there's this messy middle that we're in. And usually the messy middle is always exists between a point A, B or C and the point X, Y or Z. But in this case, our point X, Y or Z is actually quite unclear because of that when and what that happens out of this COVID virus. When does we reopen and what does it look like? So, you know, when you don't have a destination in mind, it's kind of hard. Now, we think we're moving in certain directions, but there's no real guiding light if you don't abide by your values, right? Like, you at least are moving in the right direction that you're not going to get lost if, if, if you're living by your values. So that was the principle of the article and, and basically pulled together a, a premise based on a growth strategy model that we used at LVG and Co., which says, you know, you're here, you want to go there. There's this growth curve, you know, and it's pretty steep. You know, it's not just about strategy and execution. Like the first thing is, where are you? You got to accept that. The second is you got to set the destination. Where do you want to go? Like what does success look like? What are your goals? And then, you know, there's this kind of contextual understanding, whether you're about society and the nation or you're individually minded and family, but most importantly, within an organization, what is the organizational culture? You know, what are we dealing with here? And really understanding like what that underlying culture is, then thinking about, okay, we have strategy and, and, and we're going to have to execute that strategy. How do we use data and real insights to inform that based on, you know, everything we know? You got to recognize that like change is inevitable mm. coming back to the surfing. Yep. You know, you, you got to be flexible and adaptable. 
Um, and then, you know, leadership is obviously a key piece of this. And leadership is really where values come in because values in themselves are actually leading principles. And also leadership needs to own them and infuse them through an organization in order for any of the other stuff to really happen. So that's the six step process. We can dive into it, but it's really accept where you are, set clear goals for where you're going. Think about culture as like a, as a piece of this. Use data and insights to, to figure out your strategy and, and execute on it, recognizing the you know, inevitability of change. And then, you know, how do you how do you lead with values to get there? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good rundown. And I feel like, you know, I think we've kind of touched on uh, the accept where you are piece a little bit in our conversation, where, what's happening in the market. Maybe let's let's jump to the second uh, point of setting clear goals for success. So um, keeping that in mind, uh, what does goal setting look like when doing it with values at the core of your mission versus perhaps a less explicit commitment to values? It's it's such an interesting one because that's it is the thing that matters more than anything. Like the values you choose, obviously, to represent your your beliefs are essential, but the destination is is really lining up to that. So if you are not quote unquote a values led organization, or that's not something at the fore of who you are, right? You may say my goal is an exit in three years with a market valuation of at least hundred million dollars. That may be your destination, right? right? If in fact you are a values-led organization, the most obvious examples are anyone that you think of that are mission-driven or manifesto brands, right? Where like they just put it on their sleeve and they say, this is what it is. Um, nonprofits are very, very obvious, you know, their long-term destination, you know, Alzheimer, um, uh, you know, organization, you know, it's basically, you know, as a nonprofit, their, their vision is to eradicate Alzheimer's, right? right? Cancer Society of America is a similar one, like eradicate cancer. These long-term visions are everything that they're working to all the time. So you might set nearer in goals, but that's something where you're really like your goal setting is a vision. If you're just a normal brand, you know, who is operating from a place of goodness, you know, you may say, we want to grow by X percentage this year in terms of our top line revenue, and we want to be able to give, you know, 15% back to an environmental organization we believe in, like 1% for the planet, for instance, right? You think about a Patagonia, they vary as who is like, I think, you know, the be all and end all in many ways of great organizations mm. who have stayed committed both mm. to their product as well as to their consumers, as well as to their mission. And their values are very clear, right? They're all around how do you kind of advocate for the environment. And so their goals in any given long term are obviously to do no harm. And but their interim goal setting really is about how can we grow in order to be able to give back more and raise awareness. So your goal setting is not necessarily we want to exit in three years or we want to be worth, you know, a billion dollars. That is kind of just like a, a business decision. A brand-based values-led decision is really kind of taking into account what you believe and what you want to achieve. That's not just strictly financial, but it incorporates much more of that people and planet perspective. Right. Yeah. And I, of course, I love the the Patagonia reference there. Um, it's it's a good example. One of the things that I, that I really appreciate right now about applying or thinking about applying uh, values 
in the market or to business operations or strategy right now is that it's not just a do good, feel good message um, or alignment ta- tactic, right? Actually a possibility for a lens for innovation. And I think the Patagonia example is a great illustration of that, is that they took that and thought about all of the ways that there was inefficiency in the supply chain or the market or you know, even in how they did things internally at their own company and they use that to innovate. So, you know, I would say that that value set was not just a nice story. It was at the very core of how they have innovated and what made them a great company. Absolutely. And they've never wavered from those values, I think is the other thing. I think another example, which is interesting is, is, is Apple, right? Apple at the core of what Apple is, it's about product innovation and design, Mm. Um, you know, and, and there are other things and they've, they've strayed a little bit, but Apple has never lost its commitment to product innovation and design, even through, I mean, scandal and, and leadership changes and decades and reinvention and growth. I mean, it's always kind of stayed laser focused on, on those things, those principles, and, and they've not gotten lost as a result, regardless of whether they've always acted perfectly. Yeah. And I think that's a really important message is that it doesn't, this doesn't, this is not saying that any company can be perfect. It's, it's about having a clear North star, as you said, Uh, there's two very different things. Exactly. That's actually a good uh, segue into the next point is to consider the underlying culture. And so in keeping this in mind, as you're distilling down the values that are authentic to you as a brand or a company, what should you consider to strike that balance between your values that also resonate with your target market? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's making sure that they resonate with your target market, but it's also understanding like, how do you how do you imbibe them, you know, through like, so I, I, I like to say when you're thinking about strategy for growth, right, in, in any business, you need to understand the context in which you're playing. And the context is multifold, right? You have you have industry trends, right? And and the market that you're your your segment, there are things that are happening there. If you're one type of company versus another, at any given moment in time. You know, there are the things of recent past, there are things of present, and there are things of, you know, upcoming future that you need to be able to anticipate and you want to have on your horizon line. There are also the the cultural trends. You know, what marketplace are you playing in in terms of not specifically sector or industry, but in terms of geography and, and geopolitics and, um, you know, race and class and all of these things, your segmentation demographics, if you will. And, and that can be macro. If you're, you know, health and wellness has been a growing trend for the last number of years. Um, and if you don't understand that and you're going to introduce, let's say, you know, a new potato chip to the world and you're not acknowledging, you know, that there is this macro trend, at least acknowledging it doesn't mean you need to do anything about it. But to know that it's there is really important. That's context right? That's, that's a really essential context. And the same is true organizationally. What are the kind of employee, you know, relevant things that are happening? So these macro and micro trends provide context. And that is really the underlying culture that we're talking about. When you're distilling down the values, you know, that are authentic to your organization, you don't need to play into any of those things. They are they they can be made in a vacuum based on what you believe as an organization. However, when you think about where you're going and how you bring that to life, when we get to the point of thinking about strategy, you really need to understand the context in which you're operating. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important point. So talking about the the fourth suggestion from the article is rely on data and insights to inform your strategy. And, you know, for me over the last several years, increasingly, I've been looking at KPIs and wondering, are they achieving what we think they're achieving for us? Um, and so I'd love to hear from you. What, what would you recommend that businesses and brands keep in mind when they're developing KPIs uh, for a values-led strategy? I, I love that you asked that question because actually later this week, the second in this series um, uh, that uh, the CGF, the consumer goods form I mentioned earlier, it, they're going to publish this second article. And it's really talking about how do you bring values to life? How do you how do you take action? And the first place I start with is actually through your KPIs. So it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And I'll make, sh- I'll make sure to include these links that you're mentioning here in the show notes as well. So, Oh, thank you. That's great. So people can read it. So yeah, I think, I think that the, you know, KPIs are so important because, you know, if, if we say that values are filters and guardrails for decision-making values are also then like our guide for action taking, you know, and it's like, we, we have to kind of like think about how do we, how do we walk the talk if we're then going to put things into action. And the first thing is like, you have to align them to your goals, which we just talked about. That's great. How do you measure success against your goals? Right. And and in any given industry, in any organization, you could have thousands, if not millions of potential KPIs, you know, that you could measure. I mean, there's stuff in manufacturing and operations and there's stuff in consumer, you know, customer service and there's stuff in, in brand metrics and there's stuff in spend and efficiency and ROI and financials. And there's so many possible things. And some of these just, you know, at a business level, you have to measure. Right. I mean, that's just about efficiency and effectiveness. Right. No problem. Yeah. However, in terms of the KPIs we select, they tie to what we value, right? So again, if you're looking for a hundred million valuation and exit in three years, what you're going to be measuring is limited to those kinds of, that's going to get you on that path, right? You're going to be looking hard at numbers all the time, numbers, efficiency, margin, et cetera. If you are, in fact, you know, let's just use the Patagonia example, just because it's it, we've only put out a couple brand names. And I think that one's an easy one because everyone knows it and recognizes it for what it is. But if they're measuring, you know, environmental dollars given or land put into protective trust, those are very different KPIs. They have nothing to do with their product line, you know, manufacturing efficiency or capability or material waste. However, they also may, you know, Common Threads Initiative, for instance, they may say how much recyclability, you know, have we increased over how many people have engaged with this program? You know, there are so many different ways of thinking about your KPIs, but the real thing about KPIs is they measure their measurements of success towards your goals. So that's how you have to choose them and align to them. Um, and, and I think about, you know, two examples that I give in this article, one is Southwest airlines, you know, I, I talk about Patagonia and then I talk about Southwest airlines, which I think is such an amazing company because they, you know, their values are stated so explicitly on the one hand, it's for employees to live the Southwest way. They have three values along that, which are, you know, very specific for employees. And then the second bucket, another three values are work the Southwest way, right? Which is really about what we deliver to our customers. And so they are both employee centric, which is what this organization is all about, you know? And so they measure obsessively about customer and employee satisfaction because that's how they measure whether or not they're abiding by these values. 
Um, and I think that's a really, really fascinating, you know, example of how your KPIs can tie in and tailor uh, to, to, to this. Now, an example where that doesn't happen, I mean, there are many, but like Volkswagen with the emissions scandal a few years ago, you know, they really had to step back after building, you know, trust and loyalty for years and decades, really, you know, and all of a sudden they really had to step back and say, well, what does this look like, you know, given that we've now really very quickly destroyed brand equity, paid out, you know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, how do we handle this crisis to give us space to retrench and, you know, rebuild what we, what we have. And, you know, they've, 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 they're trying to do that right now and really trying to build that around, you know, reliability and integrity as, as core values. And, and they, you know, you, you can't build that back overnight. No, and I imagine, you know, of course, the, the main KPI of a customer engaging you is them purchasing your product. But when you're building back trust, there are a lot of other indicators that can show you that relationship is building and it doesn't have to rely on necessarily immediately just buying a car. You know, it's one of those purchases that people take a long time to consider and, and those KPIs might not be showing result immediately on the efforts that you're making, but smaller ones can show that progress towards it. It's exactly that. Progress towards it. And how do you measure progress towards the goal? Exactly. Alrighty. So uh, moving on to the the fifth step from the article, which you list as accept the inevitability of change, which, you know, I think is really real for everybody right now. Um, it's true of business as usual as well. We're, we need to constantly be looking for ways to iterate and innovate and be of service and value to our customers and our clients on an ongoing basis. So it's something that I think is relevant to keep in mind, even in good weather times. <laughs> We've kind of already talked about this idea of values helping to weather some change. Maybe you can offer some some considerations or suggestions for staying true to brands' values uh, while responding to market fluctuations. I mean, I think I think it's it it is very easy to start wanting to cut corners or make changes when you know when 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 thing when there's a huge storm ahead of you and you're like oh my god we have to detour we have to you know work around it and you can because you have these gps coordinates you can steer around it you don't have to go right through but sometimes the storm like covid has just landed upon us right sometimes you can't avoid the storm and you have to go through it and i think you know the the inevitability of change i mean ben franklin actually the 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 expression that people rely on is the only thing certain in life is death and, and change, right? But it actually comes from death, taxes, and change is, is an old Ben Franklin um, ex- expression. And it's true. Like changes, it, it, there's nothing that stays constant and some changes are bigger than others. And what we have to be able to, to, to figure out as something like COVID happens is what can we do that doesn't take us away from our values. It may not be we can't lean fully in, but how do we act with the honor of what of our convictions, I think. And that goes at an individual level, you know, is the best example. Every day we each have to be waking up right now and, you know, everyone's situations are different. Some situations are really challenging in these times, right? Some companies, especially smaller companies, you know, and, and all of us service providers, these are challenging times. If you're in hospitality, super challenging. If you're an artist, super challenging. If you're in, you know, the culture world, I mean, very challenging. Nonprofit world where, you know, donations are harder to come by, very challenging. 
and and the list goes on and on and on, right? Um, but I think that it's a matter of really kind of taking a deep breath and grounding down into what we fundamentally believe and allowing that to steer. Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's a little bit more esoteric, but recognizing that tomorrow is going to be something mm. else. And so if you act authentically, and we know that authenticity is kind of one of these like buzzwords around brand building, right? But if you can act authentically and consumers increasingly demand transparency and accountability from brands, right? If you can act authentically, you end up and you can communicate clearly, right? And you hold yourself accountable to the same things that, you know, you, 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 you put on paper, that goal setting. This is what we believe. This is what we abide by. This is what we're aiming for. This is what we commit to do to you, for you. You know, these are the things that kind of help build that brand equity. And I think it comes back to that conversation about what can brands be saying right now in light of COVID, you know, and it's like, well, you know, you don't want to be making promises you can't keep, for instance, you don't want to be tone deaf. These are just common sense things that if you're looking inside yourself, you know, and saying, well, what do I believe? You're going to be putting that out authentically and you're going to be communicating that clearly. And I think even if it's not exactly right, you're going to have a lot more room to kind of to, to manage the change that's coming um, and people are going to be more receptive. So I, it's a little esoteric on the managing change, but I think that's the way that they get used and why they're so important. Mm. And I, you know, I think... I think I don't want to put say this in a sense of, oh, in the midst of change, look at it as an opportunity because it's not that easy. But, you know, there's there's an example of a of a design firm that I really respect. Um, they have gone from the, the trajectory of web design to user experience and over time that they've realized that there's a lot of fundamental structural or systems related effects that impact how strong your offering can be from a user experience and value standpoint of view. And in this time of COVID and the pandemic and sheltering in place, uh, where people, a lot of projects have frozen, I've seen them pivot to taking this idea of looking at business models and what that enables for a brand and the user experience and starting a book club based on that. Uh, and, you know, cool. and the book club is, you know, they're, they're very transparent. They say, you know, what times are changing. We need to respond. The book club, you know, is $5. We have to figure out a way to make money somehow. So it's $5. If you love it, great. If you don't like it, we'll refund you. And it's all about these concepts cool. that impact business model decisions and user experience and things. And it's a really genuine authentic conversation with people that's still valuable uh, and, and and true to to where they were going as a company. It's great. It's it's a great example. And and I'm really loving actually to see so many businesses. I saw something um, in, in out of London, which is a whole bunch of freelancers who have been furloughed out of the advertising world who are now volunteering to work with local, like really small local brands who wouldn't normally be able to work with this caliber of creative talent. And the creative talent's basically saying, we've been furloughed. We're being paid not to work. We can now volunteer our time for you. You know, come get it while it's hot, basically. And it's uh, it, it's just absolutely spectacular how so many businesses are popping up or pivoting, as you say, to really support the needs of the moment um, when, you're, when your core business is, is, is not available or not in demand. Uh, so it's, it's, it's exciting to see how people are navigating change and it shows colors and, and it shows true values. It really does. 
Uh, and so in that, uh, showing the true values and colors, you really need strong leadership uh, to guide that journey. And that's your final point that you made in the, the article. And so do you have any examples of great leadership at different organizations that you can share with us that are impacted by or informed by their unique values and, and, and what that has meant for the companies they lead? Yeah, I mean, honestly, there are so many wonderful examples of good leadership out there. Um, I think a couple where I've seen it firsthand, um, trying to focus on companies that pe- everyone will be familiar with. I have to say, I think Walmart, uh, as the world's largest retailer, the second largest employer in the world, second only to the Chinese Red Army, you know, is fundamentally one of the greatest. Whatever you believe about Walmart, they have one very clear value, which is save customers money, right? That manifests in all sorts of infamous ways. Like, you know, there's lots of stories out there about, you know, putting companies out of business because they put too much downward pressure on costs, et cetera, demand, demand, demand. However, Sam Walton was very clear. Customer centricity emerged from him. You know, and it was about saving customers money and making sure that they got what they, you know, needed at all times and taking care of employees in the process. And, you know, there's lots of conversation about Walmart out there. I've worked with them extensively at this point, and I feel really powerfully um, about what they stand for and their leadership and their current, you know, CEO, Doug McMillan is really, I think, you know, leaned into the original message of Sam Walton, which is about how do you save customers money and how do you be, you know, kind of a servant, servant attitude in store. And so I, I think for a company that size, they remain nimble because they remain committed to this value of customer first and employee, you know, support. So I think that's one that I really have been surprised, I would say, by. I wouldn't have ever gone into Walmart thinking that I would say that, but I feel that way about them. I think that IKEA, who I've also done some work with, is quite phenomenal. They've never wavered from their commitment to what they are, which is, you know, better design, and affordability and accessibility for the masses globally. Um, And, you know, they are trying to navigate an online world and yet abide by this. And it's really big company to start moving and shifting into the future. If the future is no longer going to be, people go into stores to do this. And you're seeing that actually already with COVID, they're starting to put online experiences together in a very unique way. And I think that's really, again, how do you service your values? And if your values are putting customer first, as many retailers especially do, there are unique ways in which that manifests. So I think leadership really, it, it, it takes it takes so many forms, but it's operational, right? It's communications um, and, it's, and it's culture development, which is so important. And ultimately, if you're bringing, if you think about, you know, success as being a team sport, you need to make sure that everyone within the organization understands what your what the destination is, as well as what the guiding principles and the coordinates are. So if you're thinking about, again, values as your GPS or your North Star, and teamwork is essential to get to your, your destination, you think about a rowing team, you know, everyone needs to be rowing in the same direction, otherwise you can't get there. And so that's really, you know, leadership's role is to imbibe these values throughout the organization. Uh, and help people and cheer them on as they go. So the action that they're taking is is really committed towards the destination uh, together. 
I love that. And I think these steps are just really great and timely for, for what everyone's going through right now. They're, they're timeless uh, and particularly relevant right now for, for people to have a little bit more tangible exploration of things that they can do in this time and, and, and to, to keep moving forward. So thank you for, for walking through those. Just one last question for you is if you have any resources that you would like to point towards uh, that I can provide in the show notes or that you want to mention here that you think would be valuable for listeners who are thinking about uh, how that they can start incorporating values into their brands and their operations and, and business strategies. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's so many, because this has become a hot topic, I think that there's so many more resources than there were even just a couple of years ago. But I would start, frankly, and this is you know not strictly values-led, but there are a couple of things that I, I really believe are, are, are meaningful and impactful at this point. The UN's uh, Sustainable Development Goals 2030 as a framework for any impact social, societal, you know, environmental that we want to have, they lay them out. And I think it's just, it's a simple, you can print it out in one page and you can just focus and one or all of them. And I think it's a great framework to just get the juices flowing. You know, there are exercises that we do at LVG and co, whether that's with an individual client or whether that's with a team and they can take a long time and they can go really quickly. You can do it, you know, and some of those questions are like, what matters most to you? What makes you unique, you know, versus anything else? If you were looking in the mirror, you know, what, what, what do you see reflected back to you that like you, you really, it, it motivates you is non-negotiable. You know, there's so many ways to get into this and these are exercises, but I think the UN, you know, sustainable development goals really help provide a framework at a much higher level for kind of trying to pinpoint what you really believe. I think there are organizations like B-Lab in the U.S., which is like, you know, certifying companies around a, as a benefit corporation, you know, thinking about how do you account for all shareholders, not, you know, or all stakeholders, not just shareholders that really provide great resources and, and, are, and are writing and, and providing tools extensively in, in that um, you know, there are other places, you know, for values, again, you know, this is a conversation that largely has been around the triple bottom line. So a lot of the resources around values um, are, you know, things like Thrive Global, that Ariana Huffington started recently, which is a great resource or books, you know, the ones that have really impacted all of us, which, you know, the founder of Patagonia has a great book, like Let My People Surf or, you know, From Green to Gold, which was my beginning in all of this, or Ishmael even, like way back when. But I think at the end of the day, values, you know, coming back to that core, what are values, you know, is really about looking inside um, and, and really kind of doing, doing the work to say, like, what do I believe? And I think, you know, increasingly we're going to see companies come out with, you know, their operating principles, um, which are going to be based uh, on, on belief systems uh, about what the change they want to have uh, on the world uh, coming out of this COVID thing. And, and ultimately, you know, there, there are resources that you can have, but ultimately values sometimes aren't stated explicitly by companies. It's a matter of internal alignment and making sure that you walk in the talk. And, and you know, that's uh, the greatest resource we all have is really being able to do that inside ourselves individually 
uh, and then being able to, you know, lead that change within our organizations. I love all of those. And what a range of resources that you offered. Well, Lisa, this has been really great to chat with you. And I love uh, learning about your perspective and your experience and what you have to, to offer to help people navigate this, this challenge. And it's just really fun to chat with you. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks for listening to Greater Than. Show notes are available on the podcast page on our website, wearewhole.co. That's wearewhole.co. If you enjoy this conversation, leave a review where you stream your podcast and share it with others who might like it too.